welcome to your podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Raposa. Today we're going to talk about interpretive dance. But first, I want to tell you guys some things. So, this podcast is going to be going out alongside another podcast. In other words, you guys are getting two podcasts this week. Because not only did I have technical difficulties, I'm also trying to get the podcast moved to Mondays so that I can release everything on Monday for weekly worksheets. So weekly worksheets is part of a new thing that I'm doing where I'm taking all of my content. So my YouTube content, well, sort of my movement Monday specifically on YouTube, because I'm going to be doing some like series that aren't necessarily related on YouTube, but you'll see. Anyways, for weekly worksheets, what's happening is I'm going to be taking movement Monday, the podcast and a blog post and unifying them all into one theme so that I can release a worksheet for you guys every week that helps you kind of test yourself on that theme. Now, if you join weekly worksheets, you'll also have access to a community of other people who work with Audi Builders in you know, any capacity. There'll be other people that do one-on-one, I'm hoping to add more products eventually, so those people will be added to the community as well. And then I'm also going to give you PDFs of the podcast script and a PDF of the Movement Monday workout. So you'll get a ton of stuff for just $3 a month. Oh, and also I'll obviously compile all of that stuff into one place for you so you can actually look at it. So those are the changes going on. If you notice things, maybe going out late, going out early, what have you, it's all part of that change. And that whole change is part of this overall rebrand that I'm doing right now into Audi Builders. So you might have noticed that at the beginning of the podcast, I haven't said autistic bodybuilding. I've been saying Audi Builders. That's going to be the new name for the company going forward. So super stoked about all the changes. It's actually going to make it way easier for me to take in clients as well because I won't have to do intakes one at a time. I'll be able to do everybody at once. So right now I have seven one-on-one spots. So if you want one of those spots, get in on that because that is literally all I have. After those seven spots are gone, I don't have any more openings. So moving up guys, getting there. Good stuff is starting to really happen. So I'm super stoked and I hope you all are as well. So without further ado, let's talk about interpretive dance. Imagine back-breaking back bends and butt-breaking splits a beat thud somewhere in the background, and the unnatural movements of a person writhing around on the floor come into focus in a dark room. This may sound like a medieval torture scenario, but it's actually the look of modern interpretive dance. 
Often choreographed to unique and dramatic music, modern interpretive dance inspires wonder and intrigue in those who witness it. According to Arthur Murray Studios, interpretive dance comes out of a modern dance tradition that began in the early 1900s. This movement away from the traditional and constrictive ballet dancing was invented by dancers such as Isadora Duncan and Loie Fuller, among others. So let's talk a little bit about Isadora Duncan and Loie Fuller before we continue. So I'm actually going to start with Loie Fuller because just based on what I read, it sounds like she has had a little bit less influence on interpretive dance than Isadora Duncan, but she definitely had a strong influence. So she was born Mary Louise Fuller. She was born in January of 1862 in what is now Hinsdale, Illinois. And that's in the United States. She died in January of 1928 in Paris, though. So she made it pretty far. She was basically known for her innovations in theatrical lighting in the serpentine dance. So that was actually a variation of a skirt dance. So if you've ever seen a skirt dance, it's like this burlesque dance where they have these massive skirts. I didn't realize this, but they can actually be up to 100 yards of fabric. And they have these massive skirts and they kind of dance in such a way that they move their skirt around and you can like see the scantily clad woman in her underwear underneath the skirt. It's of course very burlesque, that kind of provocative kind of tease, the art of the tease. That's what burlesque is all about. And Loie Fuller really kind of created this kind of serpentine dance, which is a variation. It's a little bit more provocative and it's got a little bit more of like a flow to it. That's just a little bit, yeah, more provocative. Do you have trouble finding adult clothes that meet your sensory needs? Most sensory friendly brands are made for kids. So I would buy them only to have other sensory issues over the fit because kids' bodies don't have the curves of adult bodies. Or I would buy the adult clothes only to fight with seams and tags that bothered me all day. With the Great North, I can finally get the best of both. They didn't set out to make sensory clothes for adults, but they nailed it anyways. That's why I'm gradually replacing all my clothes with options from the Great North. To top it off, 10% of their profits goes towards sustaining and improving our planet Earth directly. Visit thegreatnorth.net and use promo code ABUILD, that's A-B-U-I-L-D, at checkout for 30% off, and support the environment while you support your booty. Now, back to the show. Now, Isadora Duncan, you can almost follow her journey throughout the world and you can almost see if you start to look at the history of it you can almost see how interpretive dance kind of followed her where she went and that's why it kind of gives me the impression that she had a little more influence on it than Loie Fuller did. She was born Angela Duncan so she changed her name to Isadora. 
She was born in May of 1877 or 1878. It always kind of weirds me out when you look up history things and they don't know what year they were born, but I mean, the records were weird back then. So she was born in San Francisco, California. That's obviously in the U.S. And she died in September of 1927 in Nice, France. I think that's how you say that. I am really bad at French, so bear with me. So let's see, 1878 to 1927. She was about 50 years old. She didn't live that long, huh? Wow. So she was obviously American and she traveled a lot. She helped to free ballet from its conservative restrictions. She was among the first to raise interpretive dance to the status of creative art. So how she did this was, first of all, she used Greek art as an inspiration, which I couldn't really find anything that explained it, explained like exactly how it just kind of said it had something to do with the elegance. And then the other reason she was so influential was she actually started in Europe dancing like barefoot in these like little scantily clad outfits. And one article I read actually called her a forest nymph. So I just kind of picture her like this free spirited hippie type that was kind of dancing on stage you know, that kind of interpretive style that we see that's very dramatic and, you know, very almost that lyrical kind of way that interpretive dancers sometimes move. But then she took it to Russia and the people in Russia weren't so happy about it. In Europe, they kind of dealt with it. I think Europeans tend to maybe accept things like that a little more. But when she, when she took it to Russia, they were kind of like, what is with this woman? Like she is like half naked and barefoot and she's calling this art and they were not happy about it. There was a lot of controversy, but she still managed to gain some traction in Russia before coming back to France and living out the rest of her life. Did you know that I make sensory support items on Etsy? Hi, I'm your coach, Crystal Raposa, and I run a store called Pickly Booze, where I sell face masks, pillows, and jewelry items to help fund the many projects and services of autistic bodybuilding. If you're in the market for sewable sensory items, visit etsy.com slash shop slash and enter code ABUILD, that's A-B-U-I-L-D, at checkout for 15% off. Special requests are always welcome. Now, back to the show. So moving on from kind of the history and the influencers of it, we'll get into the clothing and the style and things like that. So the clothing, of course, is not classical ballet. It's kind of just whatever fits the dance. So if it's, you know, a long, dramatic, drawn out interpretive dance, the clothing might be more flowy. If it's a more peppy, exciting, you know, interpretive dance, then you might get the tutus and stuff that's more reminiscent of ballet. It's really just what vibe they're going for. But a lot of the time the dancers are barefoot. Almost every interpretive dancer I've ever seen is barefoot. 
And I've also noticed this thing with interpretive dancers, and I'm not really quite sure. I couldn't find much on it, except for articles telling you not to do this. So obviously there's some kind of technique that dancers know that is hard to find if you haven't been in dance like your whole life. And also, I think you probably have to start training in dance when you're really young to be able to achieve this. But what I'm talking about here is actually point on bare feet where they'll like curl their toes under and actually stand on like point. And I don't know if you've ever tried to stand in point shoes. That already hurts super bad as it is. And then if you ever tried to stand on barefoot point, it's like, I really think they must really have to learn that and really work on that foot flexibility and ankle strength from the moment that they're children. Cause I don't think you can like achieve that as an adult anymore after everything's already kind of solidified into place. But yeah, definitely go look up. Actually, I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now cause it's relevant. Go look up Casey Rice because she does it a lot. And I'm always like, what? It's like mind blown. And I'll talk more about Casey Rice in a second too. So style and use of interpretive dance. Now I mentioned a little bit of lyrical in there when I was talking about Isadora Duncan style, because the style of interpretive dance really does play upon lyrical dance, jazz, and theater. Now, you can see how those three different styles of dance could be similar, but vastly different. So jazz, you have more of a flowy feel to it. It's more improv theater. It's not, it, you know, it's more choreographed, but there's a story behind it. And then of course, lyrical, you're literally interpreting the lyrics as they go. And when you combine all three, that really is interpretive dance, right? You have some kind of structure, but the dancer kind of has a little bit of leeway you know, it's a little bit less restrictive than traditional choreography, but it's still, there's hints of choreography in there. The artist and the dancer can kind of decide how much choreography they think they need, things like that. So obviously, given that there are many different styles, there's many different ways to combine the lyrical, the jazz, and the theater aspects to create all these different styles. And every choreographer, every dancer, totally different styles. And again, I'll get to that in a moment. Of course, these different styles also create overlap with other forms of dance. So some interpretive dance is way closer to ballet. Some interpretive dance is honestly way closer to just one of us autistic stim dancing, but it can run the gambit. And I, that's why it's so cool. And that's actually why we're covering this topic today is to encourage you guys to learn more about interpretive dance and maybe use that as a way to stim if you've gotten out of touch with your stimming. Which brings me to the fitness aspect of it. In modern times, a fitness aspect started getting added into it. So this is where I'll start to talk about Casey Rice a little more. I don't know if Casey Rice considers herself an interpretive dancer, but it does seem to be her specialty. I would encourage you to look her up on YouTube. You spell it K-A-Y-C-E-E, -E, Rice. She's on all different kinds of channels. She works with this choreographer, and I'm going to butcher her name, Zoe Sukulos. You'll know the name right when you see it because it is a wild name. 
But yeah, I, I mean, not wild. It's just foreign. It's something I don't hear very often. But yeah, look her up because you'll really see that gymnastics aspect to it. She's like doing these wild backbends. It's impressive, the stuff that she does. And the stuff that she does with Zoe is even more impressive. It's just like that choreographer and that dancer together. It just, it does it for me, guys. I don't know. I don't know if it'll do it for you, but I think it's worth taking a look. So that brings us to the modern interpretive dance. And I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to bring us to our conclusion. Imagine back-breaking backbends and butt-breaking splits. A beat thuds somewhere in the background and the unnatural movements of a person writhing around on the floor come into focus in a dark room. This may sound like a medieval torture scenario, but it's actually the look of modern interpretive dance. Often choreographed to unique and dramatic music, modern interpretive dance inspires wonder and intrigue in those who witness it. Amateur interpretive dance is wonderful for adult autistics, especially those who have lost their stims. To start, find a dramatic song with a heavy beat and let yourself move however you feel. Pretend you're in a play and acting out your feelings. It's a great way to experiment with movement. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Autistic Bodybuilding Podcast. If you'd like to view a transcript of today's show, as well as all references used, visit autisticbodybuilding.com slash transcripts. To find links to any of the sponsors you heard advertised today, visit autisticbodybuilding.com slash affiliates. Your support of our sponsors is much appreciated and helps keep the show running. Subscribing is free and your reviews help others find the podcast. Subscribe or leave a review wherever you listen. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, find me at AudiBuilder. Facebook at AudiBuilding. Email me show suggestions and questions at autisticbodybuilding at gmail.com or just visit autisticbodybuilding.com for the latest news and updates. As always, all these links will be in the show notes for your convenience. I hope you'll come back next week. And until then, stay fit and flappy.